You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Podcast. I am so freaking stoked about our guest today. (laughs) She is awesome. Dr. Jen Gonzalez. She is a sociologist, a sexologist. She talks about sexual empowerment, healthy relationships, blah, 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 sexual (laughs) sexual health, mindful sex. Uh, she's done a bunch of TED talks and her, um, her, her stuff is just fantastic. And I know her because we served on the same board of directors for genes for justice for a couple of years. And she's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And when she has a party at her house or a board meeting at her house, she's smart enough to know to put out tons and tons of snacks. So (laughs) welcome to the show, Dr. Jen. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? I'm so stoked to have you on the show. This is fantastic. (laughs) I was, I was, um, the other day I was like, God, I, you know, I want to have a, have another guest on. And I've been thinking about you for a while and saying like, God, I should ask her if she wants to come on. And I just, for whatever reason, just, you know, just never did. And I was like, I'm going to call her and see if she, see if she can do it. So I'm so stoked to have you here. So can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what your work is and, and, and who are you? Who is Dr. Jen? Who is Dr. Jen? Dr. Jen is pretty similar to Jen. Okay, good. (laughs) I, I don't, I really don't compartmentalize anything in my life. It's, it's all kind of me through everything that I do. But, um, I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, suburbs of Philadelphia. Ah, and, are you a big um, Villanova fan? Cause I just won the championship the other night. Uh, oh, Villanova. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, Philadelphia, it's hard not to grow up a sports fan. So sure. I still follow some of the, the Philly <clears throat> sports teams. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, I was a big Flyers hockey fan in middle school and high school. And Unbelievable. yeah. Um, so, but anyway, um, yeah, the doctor part of Dr. Jen is my PhD in sociology. Um, I have a specialty in sex and gender. And that's when I really started getting into sexual health education. That's, um, actually as an undergrad, um, but yeah, and so that's how I got into the, the sex-related, gender-related topics. And overall, what I do is I have a private practice, which is odd as a sociologist, but it's my own version of coaching, counseling, education uh, with couples and individuals. I do a lot of public speaking from, yeah. um, you know. Your videos are, I hate to your videos are insane. Your YouTube videos <laughs> are fantastic. And, and I will put in the show notes how, don't worry, everybody. I will put in the show notes how to find Dr. Jen. Because awesome. you got to check out her videos. They're just, I was I literally... Do laughing out loud <laughs> just in, in how awesome they are not, yeah, not they're yeah. i mean they're definitely funny but they're just so instructive and, and so educational but they're just they're presented in such a light heart heartwarming they, way it's just fantastic. yeah that yeah. that's i mean my you know i'm a i'm a silly person um and so and i like to wear costumes <clears throat> and things like that so i have and i like to have real conversations about serious topics but in non threatening, non-judgmental, non-shaming ways. So I try to bring that approach to all of my work, to all of my life, uh, but definitely all of my work. And so, yeah, I have a, I have over 200 videos on my In the Den with Dr. Jen video series and done two TEDx talks about female sexuality and shame and mindfulness. Um, Which are huge. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you cannot turn on, not that I, not that I would ever watch the news, but you can't turn on any kind of social media without hearing something about one of those topics. And I just think what you're doing is really cool. So Thank you. it's become really, I mean, I just in the past year or two, there's been a big, I mean, just around all, I think a lot of the big social topics, particularly around sexism and racism. I, I mean, social media has exploded with that in the past two years. 
um, in particular, I would say, and just a much greater awareness and less acceptance for intolerance and all the bullshit around it. Yeah, totally. So, oh, and yeah. that's the best part. You swore before I did, which means I, I get to swear a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I love it when the guest swears more. Oh, than that me. makes it's me very so happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very, I'm very pro swear. You know what? I just saw a post on Facebook yesterday that apparently people who swear more are more intelligent. See? So there you go. (laughs) Clearly. I know. Clearly that's the case. Although anybody looking at me right now and with what I'm wearing right now and the baggy shorts and and t-shirt I'm wearing, they'd be like, well, maybe not that guy, but. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So listen, so let's back up. So you grew up in Philly. You're a Pennsylvania girl. It's fantastic. Tell me about your favorite high school teacher. Who was your favorite high school teacher and where'd you go to high school? What what was Dr. Jen like in high school? Oh my gosh. Well, so I went to Great Valley High School in Malvern, Pennsylvania, like a small town of probably about 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, I definitely grew up a good girl. Um, I mean, what I do now is such a far cry from my upbringing. Um, What's your your family think about it? Uh, They are fantastic. I am so lucky. I mean, because I was... Raised with, I guess, more kind of conservative mainstream values. Um, but clearly my parents, but my sister is a couple years older than me. My parents, you know, my, you know, they weren't feminists or anything like, or even particularly liberal when I was growing up. Um, yet did a fantastic job of just instilling my sister and I with confidence in ourselves and yeah. just to be really well rounded. That's so cool. I think that's so important for girls. I mean, I have two girls, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, that's like the fourth time I've interrupted you. And so you need to catch up <laughs> and interrupt me more often. This is a big show about intro. I should call this show the Make Life Epic. But if you're starting to talk about something, someone will probably interrupt you. <laughs> but, but let me talk about me first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I have two daughters. And I think that that's so key. Yeah. Because the world is so, is so crazy the, with this do stuff. They, do they play sports? No, I think they know how to spell the word sports, but God has a sense of humor because he gave me two daughters who don't know, who have no interest in sports at all. Oh, Kaya, my oldest daughter, who I think you may have met one time. She's going to be 11 in June. She is very much into like the creative arts. She loves to write. She loves to make videos. She's very dramatic. Um, My youngest daughter, Noah, who just turned seven, is, is built like an athlete, like she's She's, you know, lean and strong and she can run forever, but she has no interest in it. And she's, she's incredibly obstinate like her dad. And, and, and just like, if I could get her into a sport, she'd just absolutely kill it. But I just can't find a sport that should, she's willing to do. Yeah. I mean, if she's, yeah, if she's got enough of the inkling towards it, it seems like there must be something out there. You just haven't maybe found found it yet. Has it clicked with her? Because I think for my sister and I, I think that was huge. Both of us started at the time back in Pennsylvania. The only option was soccer. And thank goodness we had that as an option. So we both started at age eight playing sports and organized sports. And I think that was just huge for both of us. And I say that now, I'm, I'm 43 now and I am actually- You're not 43. I am. Are you really? Yeah. I yeah. thought you were a lot younger than that. Not that that's <laughs> old. I just turned 46. That's not old. No, it's not, great. but it is weird. You know, it sounds old. <laughs> it does, right? Both I mean, of them. How about this? So I'm when I turned 46, I was in my CrossFit class. And so uh, my, you know, I talk about CrossFit all the time. So one of the coaches, Blake, he's, you know, he stopped the class. He said, all right, I have a big announcement. And he goes, Jim just turned 46. And everyone was like, you know, starts clapping. And everyone starts saying congratulations. Like it's a big deal. Oh, when no. I got to 46. <laughs> Like, you don't say congratulations to somebody turning 20. Right. Why is it when you go over, over 40, people are like, oh, congratulations. We didn't think you were going to make it this far. 
I know. And you're like, I'm, I'm still way, way below the life expectancy average. Why are you doing that? I walk around. I don't need any help from anybody else. Right. All right. So you're 46. Unbelievable. Well, no, I was going to say just the athletics and the importance of that. And for me, and I was, I am um, in a week and a half, I will be testing for my black belt in Subakdo. Yeah, I've been doing it for the past three and a half years. And I'm in an intense six week training right now, um, specifically leading up to black belt testing. And it's, I mean, it's kick my ass (laughs) mentally and physically, but I, the, you know, the athleticism, the confidence I have in my body, the community around it, the, the men, you know, the mind body connection, the mindfulness, the challenge, all aspects of that. It's just a, a continuation of just being, I mean, cause I think for as, as, as women we're, we get so many media messages to dislike our bodies and how right. it looks, um, or there's something wrong with us sexually, or, you know, just something to hate ourselves and just and there's just so much about sports and athletics that really help us appreciate. Yeah, totally. The strength, so the flexibility, and uh, and just challenging our bodies in ways about you know the functioning and appreciating it in that way. And it's not about you know what we look like. So, so, so really you're awesome. a PhD, you're yeah. a sociologist, a sexologist with a black belt, almost. Not yet. I'm so you know what? Like I, who dates you? Like what guy <laughs> is ever going to come? Like that? That is a continuing problem for me. Oh my me. God. Talk about setting the bar high. Jesus. Well, and then on top of it, I'm like, I work really hard to practice what I preach. And so I am all about communication, you know, yeah. owning, owning my shit. Um, you know, I'm going to find you a guy. I'm going to find you a guy. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. All right. And, well, let's go. You know, I'm an entrepreneur and like, I just, but it is, I, I don't know. I work, I work, I work hard to be like a really good person in the world and very well-rounded. And you're a great person. Thank you. And it's actually, I, I do have trouble dating and finding folks that I feel like are, I guess, well-matched for me in a lot of different yeah. ways. Huh. So Interesting. Yeah, right. if, you have, if you have any options, let me know. <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely will. All right, so so tell us a little bit more, uh, more about who you work with and what, what specifically do you help them with? You mentioned you have a private practice. What does that entail and what's that all about? Yeah. So, I mean, I get individuals and couples. The youngest I've worked with is 18, um, actually probably 17. The oldest I've ever worked with is 82. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always like, may we all be sexual, you know, into our eighties and older. Hey buddy, if I can remember my name when I'm in my eighties, I'll be (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's true too. Um, yeah. And so I'd say primarily, the main kind of focus areas I have, the, the main number one thing I have is um, heterosexual couples that have been together for a while. They're in a long-term relationship and they now have mismatched desire levels. Uh, oh, that's the interesting. number one thing I work with. I would say that's my main specialty area. <clears throat> and while, you know, and so in the beginning of the relationship, both of them felt high desire and passion usually, and it was exciting. And it was hard to keep your hands off each other. And then right. after, you know, a year, two years, whatever, you know, then we hit, um, you know, that, that those natural neurochemicals die off. And so often it is the male that still wants sex and the physical connection more than the female. Although I have seen it the opposite way. We're very um, simple people, Jen. We're very, I know. very simple. It's so interesting. <laughs> we are guys. We are the simplest people in the world. <laughs> it's, um, it's, I know I, I, every few months I'm still shocked <laughs> by that. By how simple men are. Yeah, I get it. I'm a guy. 
Well, and I mean, female sexuality, female sexual empowerment is, is my specialty area. And female sexuality, in so many ways, is so complex. Right. Uh, and I love the complexity of it. I love the layers. I love the nuances. And that's actually one of the things I often do in my practice is help translate that. Because for women, we just know it because we live it and we get frustrated. We feel like men trivialize us or don't understand or don't care or put everything into a black and white. And right. we feel just, you know, not heard, not understood or shamed or blamed um, right. around sexuality. And so I do a lot of, you know, and then, yeah. And then men think that women are just being difficult or gatekeepers or, um, you know, un- not appreciating them. And so I do a lot of uh, communicating between the genders because we are socialized to be so different yeah. sexually. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I translate those differences and be like, you know what? He's not trying to be an asshole. She's not trying to be crazy, you know? Like, we really just are different. Once we can stop blaming each other, then we actually have a space that we can move forward and do something different and hopefully heal and grow. So awesome. That's awesome. So what are some of the biggest, you know, along those lines? So so would you say the biggest issues you see with people or you help people with is that that, uh, different levels of desirable i'd say yeah i mean that's in my practice i and i think that's one of the as americans in you know as americans that still really emphasize monogamy and marriage and long-term relationships with one person that way and that belief that that one person we're not not only are they supposed to be our best friend but our lover and we're supposed to love them through and through and we're supposed to create a family and we're supposed to live together and we're supposed to economically join together and we're supposed to have the same values and like it's, that's crazy. That's so much to put on somebody. And you might find somebody who does match a lot of those things or is good to have a family with. But that definitely does not mean you're going to have sexual passion. Everything else can be great. I have couples that come to me and they have fantastic relationships right. and really good communication. But the desire and the passion just isn't there either for one of them or both of them. So and what do you do? Uh, so a lot of I mean, give us the answer to the test. What like, how, I mean, or I shouldn't even say that. If you can answer that, great. But I mean, is that a problem that's solvable? It is. So, yes. However, I have to, first of all, I have to help people reframe things because um, there's this one couple I worked with a while ago and he had this realization the one time he's like, oh, he goes, I'm like wanting sex based on a one to 10 on the porno meter. He goes, I need a completely different gauge for sexual excitement now. And I was like, yes. And so if yeah. you, if your only gauge of one to 10 of sexual excitement is what you know in the beginning of a relationship, you're going to probably continually be disappointed in a long-term relationship. Right. If you could shift it and alter it and be like, okay, so that like hot, like quickly, passionate, exciting, over the top, could do this for hours that both of you feel that level of excitement and connection, you know, that might happen every once in a while, but you really need to reframe and be like, okay, what is it to have sex and passion that's based on love, on commitment, on stability, on um, a slow simmer? And then within that um, trust and communication with each other, then how do you slowly start introducing new things? How do you bring in a little power play maybe? How do you bring in your senses in new ways? How do you surprise your partner in new ways? How do you switch things up? How do you start exploring their bodies in new ways? Try new positions. 
um, you know, add senses, take senses away. Like there's, there's so many different components of what we can do to add a little bit of surprise to it that kicks in those neurochemicals again. Yeah. Cause the main thing that happens is, you know, this person so well through and through. And I would say a lot of men, once they find something that works, they stick with it. They're like, why would I change this? If this works, we are simple. (laughs) And most, most women, not all, but many women, um, need things to change up, need things to shift. It can't be so linear and goal oriented, right. uh, or they're going to be, they're just going to be bored. It's not engaging their mind. It's not engaging their hearts. It's not engaging their genitals. Huh. Um, so we just, we need things that kick in those, those endorphins and that dopamine and those neurochemicals. Um, and there's, and yeah, so there's, there's lots of different ways to do that. Um, uh, but I mean, that would be the first conversation I'd have even just like, what is desire? Um, and so how you're, to- but like, so you're looking at desire from the sense of how, like how we might look at it. And I do think that in society as a guy, like you, you know, you're like sexuality is thrown upon you everywhere you go. Like, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you have, you know, I use a simple example of, you know, so I'm super into sports. So I go to, um, sportsillustrated.com every day and they have a whole section on the swimsuit issue. And, and it's gotten, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, you know, when I was 18, seeing swimsuit issue, I was like, man, this is just fantastic. What a wonderful world. Thank you, God, for publishing this wonderful magazine. So I don't have to, you know, look at the Sears catalog uh, by myself anymore. Um, so that's one thing, but, but it's so sexualized now. And it's, it's all about like the body paint and all these women, they're like, they're not real women in the sense that they're, they have these bodies that they're just, they're not even fake. They're just improbable. Right. Like it's just not probable that you're ever going to see somebody like this. And they kind of set that as the standard. And that's one of the things I worry about for my daughters is like if they start seeing this stuff as like and they think that's the standard, like it's, it's horrible. Just, yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely I use horrible. I use the word insidious because that is the that is it um body image and a certain, you know, appearance and being very thin and being white and having hair a certain way and teeth and, and all of that is, um, and particularly around weight, um, particularly for mainstream Americans, it is insidious how that gets planted in like the center of each girl and, <clears throat> and young woman in our society and so attached to their sense of self-worth. Uh, it's insidious um because even and and i know i mean i would say of, of all you know as athletic as i am and as healthy as i am and as a much of a feminist and educated as i am body image stuff still like you know fucks with my head um and, and that's crazy because you're a good looking woman <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah and i live in pacific beach in yeah. san diego yeah, you, in you know and I, I play beach volleyball most every saturday yeah. and it's like it's it's a skewed image for sure in this area of the country, worse than other areas of the country. Um, don't, but don't you, ever, don't you always think, so I have a friend who's from Maine and we <laughs> like, we were walking down the street the other day. We we're just like kind of joking. And I was telling him, I was like, I'm like, dude, you're a pretty good looking dude. Like, uh, you know, and he was saying, well, yeah, he's like, I'm a, he's like, I'm an okay looking dude. And like, there's a backstory. I wasn't just like, Hey man, you're really good. Looking. <laughs> uh, we we're just something else. But, he, but he's, like, something. Yeah, he's like, well, I'm, he's like, I'm in Southern California. So in like in Southern California, I'm like a four. He's like, but if I go back to Maine, I'm the best looking guy in the whole town. <laughs> like there's nope. no one who looks as good as me. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's very, very skewed here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we got the young and the beautiful yeah, uh, in sure San do. Diego. So. so so what would you say? What are some of the biggest 
now I've got some interesting questions for you. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions about sex that we all have? What are some of the things that you see in your practice or that you've seen in your work that we're just a lot of times just completely wrong about? Well, some of what we've been talking about that it's simple and that it's easy or it should be simple and it should be easy if you love each other. Um, and, and that desire should always be there if you really love each other. So, I mean, everything we've been talking about, I think are some of the biggest misconceptions. Um, and I do think they are based more on a male version of sexuality. Um, and not that men don't have their struggles, not that men don't have their performance concerns and erection concerns and body image and size and all those different things, but still overall, I do think it's more a male version of sexuality. And if you're, you know, if you're heterosexual and you want to be with a woman, that's going to be problematic, probably. So um, I also think, not about misconceptions, but we just, we have so much shame, so much shame and embarrassment around sex and just our bodies. Right. As, as, as Americans, we're so, we're so shitty about just being okay with naked bodies. There's so much shame just about nudity and that nudity is immediately attached to sexuality yeah. instead of just like, I always use this example because I, I, I got to do a training um, in at Lund University in Sweden about four years ago on um, to their sexual health peer educators and just talking to folks there and just how they're raised so differently. And this one young woman was telling me it's really normal for Swedish families to go on vacation together and to skinny dip. Um, and that's totally normal. And it's not, but like in America, people would be, they'd be, they'd they'd judge them. They would be like, what's wrong with you? That's inappropriate. And it's inappropriate because we think nudity equals sexuality. Right. It's it's funny you said it because I had a guest on here recently, uh, this author, Mark Haskell Smith, who is just, man, this guy is the best. He's the best writer I know besides Hemingway and Hemingway's dead. And (laughs) so he couldn't be on the show, but Mark is just fantastic. (laughs) And he wrote this book, um, and it's called Naked at Lunch. And he talks about like yeah. the 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 world, like the the world of nudists, or however you say it. And and he talks about being in in uh, somewhere in Europe and doing that, where like there's a town that it's either near Sweden or somewhere around there, where you know they go naked a lot and has nothing to do with sex. It's just part yeah. of part of their deal. That's awesome. And, and, yeah. and look how far we are away from that, that we think breastfeeding babies in public. That's the dumbest thing. Like, uh, honestly, yeah, but it's exactly connected to that. It's so stupid. Breasts uh, are sexual and people are <clears throat> uncomfortable with them. And therefore we should shut those women down from feeding their babies in public. It is, it's it, mind boggling how stupid we are as a country sometimes. Uh, and I, what I don't get about that, I mean, that argument, you know, the breastfeeding argument in public is so stupid in so many levels. But one thing I definitely don't get about it is like if these real conservative people who are super anti-breastfeeding and they see breasts as a sexual object, well, wouldn't they just want to see them more often? So yeah. would breastfeeding be like, okay, because they'd be like, well, I can, you know, it's well, available. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's a perfect example of, of, you know, if you look at the shadow aspect around sexuality which is the stuff that we're ashamed of, we're embarrassed of, we judge harshly. And, you know, I would say, right, the people that speak out the loudest against gay marriage, um, you know, just gay rights, um, even, you know, adultery, all different aspects of things like that are the people that have probably 
the biggest shadow aspects around their own sexuality. They're so uncomfortable with it. They don't know what to do. And therefore, anytime those feelings come up, they often project it outward and just want to blame and control other people because it makes them feel better. And I think that's I think that's a part of what it is, because then they see a breast. They're like, oh, I know I shouldn't be turned on by that or that's inappropriate because I have a wife or, oh, that's a baby. Yet I'm being turned on by it. They're uncomfortable with that because we get we 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 suck around, you know, acceptance of our normal sexual feelings. Yeah. And then they don't know what to do do with it and they don't know what to do with that discomfort and want to blame other people for it and like redirect it that way that's my theory that's on that so crazy yeah I, I, that makes a lot of sense all right so what do you think based on what you've said thus far in, in your work what are the biggest keys to a great sex life and you know everyone's going to skip to this part of the podcast I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, yeah. so anyway everyone this is dr jen gonzalez our first question is what are the biggest keys to a great sex life welcome to the podcast well, and what's so funny is like, that's such a, <laughs> it's such a man question that you're you know, asking. I'm all man, woman. That's me. You're like, can we just have something and make this really black and white? And so we can just fix all <laughs> you know, of this. <laughs> we are a simple, not only are we a simple gender, I am the prototypical simple gender example. Well, so you might not love my answer because <laughs> I'm if I don't like your answer, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to edit it out. I like to give very nuanced answers because I don't think most things are not black and white. So, um, okay. What comes to mind is one, um, being creative. And I, you know, I already mentioned that before, but think outside the box. You know, I use this example. Oh, I had this, oh, I was so excited about this talk. I got to speak at the end of February at Syracuse university to a thousand sorority women oh in this huge auditorium about women and hookup culture. It was, oh. it was fantastic. It was just, I, I was so happy doing it. And I got to, you know, talk about the risks behind it and how some people say it's liberated and how it's liberating. And, and then I got to talk about how we're really asking the wrong questions. Um, and we need to be looking at a much bigger um, approach to sexuality. And I use the analogy of them of how we really do approach sex as baseball in our society. Um, and I had an image on. on the PowerPoint of a, a baseball field, you know, and you start at home and you hope to get to first base and second base and third base and home run, or do you strike out? Right. Are you a, you know, a batter or a pitcher, you, you know, and there's just so many analogies around that. And I said, and it's very linear and it's very based on social norms and expectations and assumptions that there's a right way of doing things. So in terms of a great sex life, I said to them, and I'm like, what happens if you go backwards around the bases? What happens if you run crazy in the outfield? What if you run up in the bleachers? What if you go outside, you know, think outside the box. I mean, it literally is a box or a diamond, you know, the baseball diamond, like, Think outside of that. Recognize that we are so trained that sex needs to go in a specific way and that limits all of us. So I encourage people to take a holistic approach of looking at, okay, look at the physical components of knowing your body and knowing your partner's bodies and the nuances of it and you know all aspects of how that works. And look at the mental components. Like, can you read books? Can you learn more about positions? The emotional component, everything from bliss 
and love to fear and shame and how those factors come into play. The social components of what did you learn growing up that it needs to be a man or a woman or about sex and what was your early sexual experiences and how are they still framing you now and what you know societal expectations do you carry? And then the spiritual component, which to me is very much about mindfulness and being present in the moment and present with your five senses and in tune with yourself and in tune with your partner and your each other's pleasure. Like can you that, talk a little bit? I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah. can you? But I'm going to do it for the thousand times. Can you talk a little bit more about mindful sex? Because I did see that on your site, and I did see that in one of the videos, and I, I think it's so important. Can you talk a little bit more about that concept? I would love to, because that is that's at the core of all my work is mindfulness, and mindfulness meaning that idea of um, you know the past has already happened and the future hasn't happened yet, and all we have is right now. But we are so often in our heads rehashing the past or worried about the future, um, or planning in some way or something that we are missing this moment. And this moment has colors and it has smells and it has tastes and it has feel, you know, and and has, has things to feel. And we have emotions going on and we have thoughts going on, but we get, I like the analogy of a river and that lack of mindfulness, which is kind of automatic pilot is like, we step into the river of our thoughts and, get swept away. And mindfulness is learning how to step back on the shore Mm -hmm. and observe, observe your thoughts, observe your emotions, observe what's happening in this moment without getting swept away with your thoughts or just triggered in emotions that, that just, you know, start to snowball. And so it's learning how to be the observer self. And this is, it's the number one tool I use for helping people break their patterns. Cause unless we know how we're getting swept up in that river, and then ending up down river and you're like, oh shit, how did I end up down here yeah, again? I don't, I don't want to be here. I'm not happy here. I shut down. I lashed out. Um, <clears throat> I communicate when I wanted to, like how I, I, you know, I smoked pot instead of addressing this conversation. I just spent four hours playing video games instead of, you know, doing the work I said I was going to do. Like, how do I keep doing this? Well, we have to figure out what's triggering us in the first place. And so I teach people just basic tools of how do you step back on the shore? And it's by, you know, you could tap into your five senses um, or specifically by looking at, okay, what are my emotions in this moment? I give people a list of emotions to pick from. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are my thoughts with it? What are my belief systems? What does this mean to me? And then literally, where do I feel it in my body? Like that feeling like you've been punched in the gut or like butterflies before public speaking or anxiety in your chest or like, I have a couple men that have shared with me, like when they're feeling really angry, um, they get a buzzy headed or like fuzzy headed feeling. Yep. Another talked about how he feels his ears getting warm. Um, someone else talked about something in the back of his neck. Like all of that is fantastic bodily wisdom. And that when we could start paying attention to the nuances of it, we could start making different choices. So that's that, awesome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually kind of blown away. I have nothing to say. That's that's mm-hmm. really really cool. And that's I, just so cool. I mean, it's I never I've never I've never really thought of it that way. And I'm a relatively relatively yeah. sensitive guy. And <laughs> right. Relatively, like let's let's not get crazy here. Um, but yeah, that's so that's so cool. What um along those lines, I mean, all right. So if you had to give just some general simple advice for simple guys, what would you give them about this? What would you say? Well, if you could give any, you know, if you could, if you could any, you know, for guys out there, what, you know, what, what is something that we're missing and or, and or you just give us? 
clueless men something and i mean and you mean specifically about like being sexual with women yeah whatever i I mean i would if if, to give you something simple i would say there's some great books out there actually that really give a take a very holistic approach to um to women's sexuality and I mean, because I've had some couples that I work with, um, I've had both like male and female read books and then kind of mark different passages or ask each other questions. And um, and particularly this one couple, both very uh, much engineers and particularly for the guy, hard for him to learn how to put himself in a woman's shoes. Um, and so what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, Sorry, and engineers, just but it's interesting. And and I do talk to him. Like once we have ideas, then I will I will you know I'll give him homework in a one two three checklist type right. of way. Right. And while she may get frustrated sometimes and be like, "Well, I feel like he's just he's just going through a checklist," I'm like, "That's okay. Like that's how his brain works. Right. Let him let him learn this. Let him get some competence in this. Let him get some you know skills and emotional awareness around this, and then he can make it his own, and he can fine tune it to you. But like this is our starting point, and that's okay. And he's doing this because he loves you. Right. He, you know, it may not feel natural. And, you know, it feels contrived in that way, but don't judge him for that. Like this is, this is, we're working with the strengths of his brain right. um, so that he can learn it and then he can run, you know, on his own with that. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. That's super cool. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So let me ask you, so, I mean, this is, it's just such cool stuff and such a cool topic. And I think it's so awesome. And I actually think it's really courageous for you to take on, take on this role and be a leader in this area. So Thank you. what, what's your, why, why are you doing this? Why do you do with <laughs> you? What inspires you? I, um, well, definitely, you know, growing up a good girl, um, in Pennsylvania, like I said, it, um, like there's a lot of, um, like shame and fear and embarrassment in terms of being raised a Catholic good girl type of thing. Um, and that feels shitty, you know, and not, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I got this from my parents. We didn't really talk about sex, but just in society or in sex education or, or through religion, it was so disempowering right. to me knowing mm-hmm. my body. And, and I think about, you know, I didn't even know about my clitoris till, and I was a late bloomer. I didn't have my first boyfriend until I was 17. And, um, and I didn't even know, like I had to learn from him that I had a clitoris and wow. where it was. Like that's fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's craziness. That's total bullshit. That's so, craziness. Yeah, that's that's like talk. I mean, it's my body. Teach me about my body and the basics of it, and teach me how to be responsible with it. But gosh, don't don't disempower me by you know disempowering me, but not even letting me know about it. So, um, I mean, that type of stuff is just infuriating. And then I just I joined the sexual health peer educators at Lehigh University when I was twenty. Um, specifically because my roommate was doing it and I wanted public speaking skills and <laughs> I know, and I was like, so I had been afraid to raise my hand in class. I was always afraid of looking foolish. And I was like, Oh, she's having a great time in this group. You know, I'm a good girl. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know about all of this, but, um, yeah, I just became fascinated about it. And I really, I, we went around to the dorms and we did condom demonstrations and, um, did workshops and I just, I really liked it. I mean, it's a fascinating topic. And I was specifically fascinated by gender differences and how we're raised to be really different and how men and women will talk about condom use differently. And um, 
I mean, that's what my dissertation ended up being on. So what was your dissertation on? It's on, um, it was on HIV prevention programs Mm, in New York state. Um, and it really did. It looked at specifically female sexuality and, and how women negotiate condom use or don't and why and how, age and uh, race and ethnicity and socioeconomic status and religion, all those factors come into play um, in um, educational approaches to these women and kind of what works and what doesn't. Hmm. So, That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I learned a ton. It was really fascinating. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So what would you tell uh, well, I don't know. See, this is a, this is a question I ask everybody, but I feel like you're so mature that you, you probably wouldn't change it much. But, uh, but I'll ask him, what would you ask the 25-year-old version of yourself? That's a cool question. Um, yeah. I think, let's see. 20, or what would you tell that person? What would you tell the 25-year-old version? Uh, you know what? I, so I was, let's see, I was like a year or two into grad school at that point. I the first thing that comes to mind is actually mindfulness because I didn't learn about mindfulness. I didn't first hear the word till a little over 12 years ago when I moved to San Diego and I started going to meditation classes. And I can totally remember where I was sitting and where I was the first time I heard the word mindfulness and got it defined for me and was like, Oh, this is fascinating. Um, And that's what really, I mean, that, that has, when people, and I, I have, I have women that come to me or friends or other people, or, or, you know, when I talk to college students or whatever, they're like, I want to be like you. I want to have what you have, the genuine confidence and, and, and self-love. And they're like, where do you, where does that come from? I, that really, I mean, I had a fantastic upbringing, so I'm super lucky around that. And (laughs) in terms of my personal growth around it, it was mindfulness. It was cultivating mindfulness so that I could learn to love myself deeply. So I could learn to, um, you know, have better control over my reactions. So I could be be prouder of myself. I have better emotional awareness and articulation, and sit with, you know, icky feelings and breathe through them, and then do something different. So I, I think I didn't. So it wasn't until I was maybe thirty. I think that I first learned about mindfulness. So if I had learned it at 25, that would be five years more. Right. And that definitely would have helped me through graduate school was difficult um, and alienating. And it took me forever to finish my dissertation and just felt shame and guilt around that. And um, So you think mindfulness, because that's really interesting. So you think mindfulness really is something that really was the driver oh, for I you and how you are now. Because you I, are, because yeah. I mean, I've seen you, I mean, yeah, we're doing this podcast, but I mean, I've seen you in both social situations. I've seen you in the, you know, in, in board meetings and you really are, you're very confident. You seem extremely comfortable with who you are, which yeah. I think is so rare, especially where we live, where everybody's good looking and, you know, it just symbols of status are everywhere. I mean, it's yeah. just, you're very comfortable with who, or you seem to be extremely comfortable. No, with it's, and I'm so, I'm so happy to hear it comes off that way. And because it is, it's not like, I'm not bullshitting. It's not a facade. And again, like I've got my insecurities. I've got, you know, I mentioned bot, some body image that pops up for me sometimes. Like I've, I've got stuff like that, but I, mindfulness has helped me own all of my shit. And when, when I own it, then I shine a bright light on it and I can look at it and not in a way of beating myself up, but like, okay, so this doesn't feel good. You know, how can I take care of myself and do something different with that? And that is so empowering. It, it's, it makes me feel it, it's resiliency building 
Um, and it means, yeah, I am, I feel genuinely confident. Um, I will tell you one thing I am not confident about to link it back to my black belt testing in a week and a half. We have to do a spinning, jumping back kick and break two boards. And I am not good at that. And I don't know. That sounds really hard. It's shitty. And many people are just fine with it. I do not. I have, I have lots of injuries. I have lots of joint problems. I've, you know, my joints shift out of their sockets. Like I just, I have a lot of, um, some physical stuff like that. And I generally just push through it, but I, I, so anyway, it's just, that's on my mind recently because I'm like talking. You're going to gonna kill it. You're probably well, going to break you know, those That's boards. what everybody keeps saying to me. You They're are. Like, oh, you're gonna, and I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Cause I think they think I'm just not confident or I don't value myself or have faith in myself. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm good in all of those areas. But I also own my limitations and my weaknesses and recognize them. Yeah. And this is a big one that I'm like coming face to face with. So I think I'm going to kill it. I do. And I don't think, and I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> I don't think that you're not confident or whatever. I actually just think you'll be able to do it. I just think you're there. I think you're there. You'll do it. I mean, I just get vibes on stuff. And I think the vibe on that is just like, hey, guess what? She's probably going to break the board. And, you know, five guys are going to ask her up before, she, before the board's hit the ground. That would be that would be my guess, but you know, what do I know? Oh, um, I, I want to live in your world that you have. <laughs> oh my god, my world, my world so is lovely. crazy. My world is crazy awesome. But there's a lot of tank tops. There's a lot of fish tacos. A lot of eighties music. And there's a oh, lot of, yeah, and there's a lot of like three women looking at me like, "Is my dad or slash my husband absolutely crazy?" There's a lot of like, "This is my dad," or "Wow, this is the dude I married." And it's like, you got it, ladies. I am he. Congratulations. You must have done something in a previous life to land me. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, okay, so any, 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 we're coming to the end here, but so any other final thoughts for our listeners? Can you tell us and also tell us where we can find you online and, and wherever else? Yeah, I would love to because, I mean, in particular, folks, if my approach to things, my different approach to sex and relationships and intimacy resonates with folks, like, please follow me online. Please share. Like I, I am, I do this. Well, you ask why I do this. Um, and I, I do this because I'm just, you know, I, like I said, getting past growing up being a good girl, but I am passionate about these topics, sex and intimacy. It's, it's, it's ingrained our everyday lives, whether we want it to be or not. Right. And it, it behooves us not to try to feel more empowered about it, even when the cards are stacked against us, particularly as many women feel about it. And so this, I just, I am just so, it is my mission and purpose in life to serve in this area and to help people feel healthier and happier and more satisfied in their sex lives. And so my main hub for stuff online is my website, drjensden.com. Okay. Um, But also, I mean, I'm on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, um, all of those are at, do- at Dr. Jen's Den. That's I'm going to my- put all that stuff on the show notes so everybody can That it. would be awesome. And, yeah. and I got to say, I got to say one thing about what you just said is, you know, you said you're very passionate about, you know, se- you know, sex, sex and, and intimacy. And I think that, I think that, I think the difference is, is like, you're passionate about it, but you're also one of the few people who has the guts to talk about it. Cause I think many of us are actually passionate about it. But everyone's scared to, you know, scared to death to talk about it or to do anything about it. And you're you're actually one of the few people who's like, hey, man, I'm willing to talk about it and I'm going to go you know, put myself out there. I mean, I, yeah. I just think that that's so cool. And I know I've said that like a thousand 
no, like I a thousand don't. times, but I mean, I just think it's so great that you can do it because I think you're, you're such a great example, uh, you know, not just for, for people in relationships, but you're such a great example for women and you're just so, such a great example for men in the sense that, you know, you can be open and honest and have a healthy relationship and, and do all these things and it can be fun and it, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, what it's, what society says it should be. And, you know, it could be even better than that. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. And by, and by far, right? Like anytime you go to a cocktail party, you have to be the most, most interesting person, right? Like you must be the most popular person. Like if I'm going to a cocktail party and I'm like, Hey, oh, nice to meet you, Jen. What do you do? And you're like, I'm a sexologist. And I talk to him. Hey John, what are you doing? He's like, I'm a lawyer. Well, guess who I'm going to talk to? I mean, hey. I have been, people have said to me, cause they're like, turn to their friends and be like, where'd you find her? I want to invite her to my party. Right? I mean, I'm going to invite you to all our parties, but you, know, you might be born out of your mind because it's a bunch of kids left. Oh, know, but, yeah, that's not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so great. Uh, anyway, well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was fantastic. We'll have you on again awesome. uh, in the future. And uh, everyone, if you, uh, I will put all of Jen's stuff, Dr. Jen's stuff, in the show notes. And you can get her at her website in the gen, or in the den with Dr. Jen <laughs> and on YouTube. And, um, Thank you much for thank you so much for hanging out and listening. You can always check out the site jimsipco.com and we appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking out the Make Life Epic podcast. Check us out online at makelifeepic.com and I hope you have a fantastic day. Look forward to talking to you soon.